Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. As we listen to John's uh, use of the Holy Spirit and his gospel, um, you may remember that the way that the gospel ends on Easter Sunday, Jesus visits the disciples, right? And they're afraid for their lives. They're locked up in the upper room, and Jesus appears among them. And the doors were locked. They were afraid of what would happen if they went outside or if somebody got in. They were terrified. And Jesus comes in among them and he says, peace, right? Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. He gives them signs of his these affirmations that it's really him. Jesus is not a ghost. Uh, They can see the wounds from the cross uh, that have been healed, but the scars are visible. And he says, it's really me. And then he says, again, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them, you hear that? He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I really wanted to call this sermon, When Jesus Breathes on You. Uh, But I don't know why that just didn't set right with me, and I think it's because I have a negative connotation with someone breathing on me. Anybody else out here? Usually when we are noticing that someone else is breathing, it's something that we don't associate with positivity. Like if I am close enough to you and I can hear you breathing, we're either running together, and that usually I don't have positive associations, or um, maybe... I don't know, like Darth Vader. I still have this, like all through the movie when you're a kid, like you hear that, like you hear that and you're like, oh no, something bad's about to happen, right? Somebody else is about to die. So that's like a bad association of hearing someone breathe on you. And then there's like my high school ag teacher. Um, I actually had two of them and they were exactly the same in this regard that they would walk around the room and you know, you're, you're learning this whole thing. And we were in our places, we're around the table, kind of this horseshoe shape. And he's walking around and he would walk around through class and he always had this giant dip of snuff in his mouth, of course. And he, he would lean over my shoulder and say, Mr. Strebeck, you care to tell me why you placed this class this way uh, wrongly? You know, and, he, and as he would say that, he's breathing right, o- right in here. And I'm just about to just, oh, my, oh, oh gosh. Like, I can't concentrate to tell you why I placed the class, but it was motivating to not place the class wrong. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I didn't get that. So um, I don't have good connotations with someone breathing on me. I'm just, that's all I'm saying. So, um, but in this case, uh, with our Old Testament imagination in place, when we hear Jesus breathed on them, What does that remind us of? Remember Genesis chapter 2, verse 7? The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. Or how about Ezekiel 37? Remember the valley of the dry bones? And the Lord takes Ezekiel there, and he shows him this vision, and everything is dead. All he sees is death. And God prompts him and says, Hey, Ezekiel, prophesy to the four winds, right? Speak and breathe. And he says, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these who are dead that they may live. 
So this breathing of God into a group of people, or into the life of something that is, has previously died, this is all, this is just reminding us that God is breathing life. So when we see Jesus breathe life into the disciples and receive the Holy Spirit, good things are happening. We see creation. We see, hey, there's hope where there wasn't hope before. We see we thought uh, there was death only, and now even the bones begin to, right, the sinews are forming and these bodies begin to live again. So we're going to look over the next couple of Sundays at the work of the Holy Spirit. In honor of the season of Pentecost, the work of the Holy Spirit, specifically in the Gospel of John. So John tells it just a little bit differently. It highlights a couple of different things. And uh, so I think it'll be fun to look at that over the next couple of weeks. This week, we're going to look at how John talks about the Holy Spirit as the agent of new birth. How John says, hey, God is giving us life and he's, the Holy Spirit is the one who's breathing new life in us and giving us birth where we previously did not exist. And then next week, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit grows us uh, after we're born. So this text that Jeannie read for us in John 3 is this great text of Nicodemus who's he, he's seeking Jesus. He kind of wants to know more. He's hungry. He's thirsty. He, he shows up at night. He's still a little nervous about his standing with his friends. And so he comes to Jesus, and he's full of questions. And he's like, Jesus, I know there's something about you. I know no one could teach like you teach if you weren't from God. So tell us, give us the scoop. And uh, what do I have to do? And Jesus says, well, uh, it's the old amen, amen in Greek, like the King James translate, verily, verily, I say unto thee, or in this case, your Bible probably says something like truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus scratches his head just like we do. And it's like, uh, <laughs> okay, Jesus, how are we supposed to do that? I'm a grown man. We're all grown people around here. Are we supposed to re-enter our mother's womb? Like, for this, how, how does this happen? And Jesus says, no, you, you got it all wrong. There's a deeper level here you're not seeing. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus is talking about a life that we can enter now. He's not talking about later on kingdom of God. He's talking about right now kingdom of God. Uh, that in order to enter the kingdom of God, you have to be born of water and the Spirit. And what, did, what just happened in the gospel is it's getting started that there's this one who goes before Jesus called John, right? And he's baptizing with water. And what does he say about Jesus, though? There's one who's coming after me, whose sandal I'm not fit to tie, untie. And he says, and he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So there's this allusion to our baptism, to those early baptisms. I set the baptismal font out today uh, as a reminder of the new birth, uh, the sign of water and the Spirit that gives us life in uh, the name of the Trinity. And so Jesus is talking about this life that happens, that there's something that happens inside of us. There's an awakening. There's a new birth when the Holy Spirit acts in our lives. And this is what God is up to. Uh, John's gospel even begins with this idea that anyone who receives Jesus, who believes in his name, he gives the right to become a child of God. So it's from the very beginning, there's this imagery. They're born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It's very clear. So the Holy Spirit, uh, it's so fun, it's so intimidating, it's so challenging uh, to, 
to speak and to preach on the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit seems to be one of those subjects that gets misinterpreted often. Maybe you have uh, experiences of hearing about the Holy Spirit, not hearing about the Holy Spirit. I talk to a lot of people that just say, gosh, I never heard anything about the Holy Spirit growing up. I mean, I knew it was there in the creed, but I just never we really, really paid attention. We heard a lot about Jesus. We sang a lot about Jesus. We sang a lot about the Father. We just didn't talk a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. And uh, so it's important to remember that for John and for all the New Testament writers and for the early church, the Holy Spirit is not auxiliary. The Holy Spirit is not like something that you graduate to once you kind of get to know the Father and the Son. It's not, uh, the, it's not a level up thing with the Spirit. And sometimes people talk about the Spirit like that. I'd be like, okay, well, you're doing okay, but now you really need to be baptized in the Spirit. It's like there's a next level. And it's like, no, the Spirit is there all along. When you're a baptized Christian, when you believe in Jesus, you can't do that without the Holy Spirit. So we, we are already operating. And obviously God is creating in the beginning, in the very beginning, uh, there's that breath and that is, that's the Spirit of God. It's there from the beginning on the early pages of Genesis. And the Spirit has been active throughout uh, with the prophets and the law. And we see John just making a big fuss about this in his gospel, that the Spirit is alive and is moving. And we have to be born of this Holy Spirit. So this is a primary reality. This is not auxiliary. And uh, it's fun to think about the, even the way that they try to talk about the Holy Spirit is difficult. You know, the Irish Celtic Christians would call the Holy Spirit the wild goose uh, because they had this sense in which they're like, it's really hard to pin down this whole Holy Spirit thing. How do we talk about him? I mean, he's here and he's gone. And Jesus even says this to Nicodemus, right? He's like, you know, you see the trees blowing in the wind. You see the effects of the wind, but you don't see the wind. And he's this exactly the same way with those who are born of the Spirit. We're we're moving and there's things that we, there's a reality that takes eyes to see and ears to hear that just the, the, the naked eye can't always see. And so it's this mystery. But uh, the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. Uh, anybody wants to just get a little, you know, wake up a little bit, ruach. They got that really, you know, deep guttural. And then uh, the Greek word is pneuma. And in both cases, it means, it can mean either breath or wind or spirit. So it's really hard to translate. What are we talking about here? Is this wind? Is this spirit? Or is this breath? And I think there's a reason that those words were chosen because it's hard to say. Uh, there's, there's the breath of God. There's the spirit of God. And the imagery, the metaphor that we often see is wind. And you remember on the day of Pentecost, right, there was this wind. Our, our banners say, you know, fresh wind, fresh fire. There's something at work. Uh, St. Irenaeus said that the Holy Spirit is our communion with God. Isn't that great? That's how he talked about the Holy Spirit. He said the Holy Spirit is our communion with God. Anytime we know God, any way that we know God, any relating that we, uh, any connection that we make with God, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is our communion with God. And one of John's favorite titles, as we'll see, as we said in our call to worship, and as we'll see a little bit more today, uh, John loves to call the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth. And I thought, how comforting is that, uh, that the Holy Spirit is the one who's guiding us and leading us into all truth. Uh, anyone else struggle with just the frustration of just the daily life where you just wonder what exactly can I trust and what can I not trust? What is true and what is not true? It's so comforting to know that one of the primary jobs of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into all truth, the spirit of truth. So this should give us great comfort today.
So we hear about the Holy Spirit. We read the stories. We, we rehearse these stories in John's gospel. We imagine Jesus standing among us now, breathing on us and saying, receive the Holy Spirit. And if you're like me, there's just always that question in the back of your mind. It's like, yeah, but how? I mean, how do we receive the Holy Spirit? How do you get in on this life? How, do, how are you born again? Uh, and I think we're always asking these questions even when we've been born again. Uh, it's just like births are so different. Natural births are so different in this world. There's so many different ways and they're never, no two are exactly the same. Just like our stories of how we're born again, how we're born in believing in Jesus. We, our stories are so different and so varied. And sometimes we have multiple <laughs> conversion experiences where, yeah, I had a conversion experience when I was seven and I believed in Jesus and I knew I was forgiven and I was so excited and I knew I would spend eternity with Christ. And then, you know, I wandered and I went through all these years and decades later, I had another awakening and I believed again. And I had this new birth, again, this experience where I trusted in Jesus and I realized that, hey, I remembered my baptism, that God was always there for me, even when I felt like God had totally left me. And I realized I had just wandered away from God and I was able to come home and uh, this great story. So how do we get involved with the Holy Spirit? I think the best answer for how we get involved with the Holy Spirit is And that is thirst. Remember how it starts? All who are thirsty, come to the waters. Come and buy wine and bread without price. You who have no money, come and feast. All who are thirsty. This is the echo of the invitation to a life in the Spirit and this thirst. It's an economy of thirst. Just like the woman at the well. Do you remember right after this story with Nicodemus? And she comes, instead of in the dark, she comes in the daylight and they have a conversation at this well about water and being thirsty. And Jesus says, hey, I can tell you about a water that if you drink this water, you'll never be thirsty again. And she, her eyes light up and she says, sir, please tell me about this water so that I can receive this water and I won't have to come here every day and draw water. So I won't have to be thirsty anymore. And I think if we follow the woman at the well and we take those inquiries and we're uh, sort of plummeting into the the depths of our heart and recognizing the places where we long, the places where we hunger and thirst for God, this is the way in. This is the way that we get in on the life of the Holy Spirit. And so as we ask ourselves, are we thirsty? Uh, 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 Something to kind of contrast that with Uh, I was remembering this week is, um, so St. Augustine famously said, this was, uh, you know, I mean, the confessions were so widely read and so widely circulated, this great conversion story. And, uh, but St. Augustine before was a a pagan. He was sort of like what we would call an an attorney, a rhetorician. He made money. He was the best in the business. He made money on basically just getting people to do whatever he wanted them to do. He could persuade a crowd better than anyone. He was brilliant. And, uh, And he, and sort of mocking the church, his mother was a devout Christian and prayed for him throughout his life. And, uh, and before his conversion, he famously is quoted as saying, uh, just mocking Christians, and he said, change me, Lord, 
but please, not yet, <laughs> you know, please, not yet, right? I still want to live this life like I'm high on the hog. I'm, things are going good for me. I don't want, I see what happens to you guys when you believe in Jesus and your lives change. It's like, I don't want that yet. So at least he was honest about it, right? And sometimes I think what keeps us from that thirst and that hunger is just sort of this in the back of our mind. We're like, yeah, Lord, please change me. But just maybe not yet. <laughs> I've still got some other things I want to do. Uh, it's a common way to feel. It's a common thing. And so uh, my prayer today is that we would, uh, we would see uh, this invitation from God to receive the Holy Spirit, that we would press into this reality, uh, that we would uh, believe in Jesus, that we would draw near, that we would know what it's like to hunger and thirst for the very Spirit of God. I'm going to lead you in just a very brief prayer. I invite you to pray with me uh, as we come to the Lord's table. Father, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit. We pray, come Holy Spirit. We thirst for the new life that you bring. We want to be born again. We feel far from your grace, but we hear you calling us. Lead us to believe in Jesus. Guide us in all truth. Show us the love of God. For we belong to you. Amen.